Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, welcome back to Friend of a Friend. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of this show where we get to sit down, make a new friend, and meet some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. If you are thinking of starting a brand, in the process of starting a brand, or currently run one, Today's episode is a must listen because we are joined by Reformation's Chief Sustainability Officer, Kathleen Talbot. She started at the brand eight years ago, so she's a legend at the company. She's been there forever, and she's been at the forefront of building one of fashion's most sustainable businesses today, and I'd argue probably one of the world's most sustainable businesses today. She's implemented game-changing methods like their ref scale, their sustainability reports, and working with eco-conscious partners around the world. Today, she is giving you guys a playbook on how to create a sustainable business from your sourcing to your people and her vision for a more sustainable future in the fashion industry. I hope you guys love this episode. It was so interesting to lift the veil on one of the world's most sustainable businesses and truly a pioneer in the space and really get to see what they're working on behind the scenes. If you haven't followed the show and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow us and leave us a review. I love hearing your feedback. It really helps me tailor the show to what you guys want to listen to more. So really would appreciate that. And of course, share the show on social. I'm at Lib Perez with TVs. I will always reshare your posts and usually slide in your DMs and say hi. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have an incredible week ahead. Here's my friend, Kathleen Talbot. Hi, Kathleen. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Hi. What's going on? Wherever you are looks very chic, very like just Zen vibes over there. That's what I get a lot. They're like, are you at a spa? I didn't want to say that, but it looks like you're at a spa. Yeah, this is actually just my, the corner nook of my bedroom, which has become my work from home place. I love that. We all need our little nooks at this point. I keep changing my nook in my house, but I, I get like nook fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of want to mix it up every once in a while. And I like realize we've been at this for so long and I still have like not invested in like a ergonomic, like legit workspace. I just sit in this chair (laughs) and take all my Zoom. You're not alone in that. The other day, I literally bought myself on Amazon one of those back braces that like like, hold your shoulders back because I don't have one of those chairs either. I'm sorry. I, I think I can say with confidence looking at your setup right now that we're both aesthetic people and I cannot have one of those ergonomic chairs in my house. At this point, too, I feel like I've made it this far. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to clutter. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I have been a massive fan of Ref Reformation. We're going to call it Ref for today, guys. 
for as long as I can remember. <laughs> I'm wearing my favorite rough dress right now in your honor. Um, Yay. But I am just, I've been a huge fan. And I think you guys obviously really disrupted the industry a few years ago and are still continuing to do so. So I'm so excited to have you on today and hear more about your journey because you've had a long one in the sustainability world. I think one that spans longer than most people. So really excited to hear about that. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. So I want to start at the beginning for you because you're obviously now the chief sustainability officer at one of fashion's most beloved brands, but you've had an interest in sustainability for a really long time. You went to school for it and it spans pretty far back. So where did that begin for you? Did you grow up in a sustainable household? Was there a moment that you can reflect on that it became really integral to who you are? Yeah, yeah. It's a question I get a lot um, and one that I really do have to like attribute to really who I am. Um, and how I was raised. I was, I, I sometimes think it's a little bit like of the stereotype, but born and raised in the Seattle, Washington area. Mm. So Pacific Northwest kid. I actually lived on an island that was like a bedroom community in Seattle when I was really young. Um, my dad like built our house. We really like wow. tried to live as much as we could off the grid, big, you know, kitchen garden. And um, like in some ways had that like, kind of idyllic, in tune with nature childhood, you know, where they would like kick us out in the morning and say like, come down, come home when it gets dark. And like, we all knew how to like forage for for edible plants and berries and just get by with a lot less. Um, And again, with like that sense of oneness um, with your natural environment. So I credit, I credit my parents for like really giving me that freedom and giving me that experience really early on. We also were raised very much in like a stewardship mentality, which comes a lot from like faith background, but it ultimately said, you know, you need to care for others and you need to care for your resources around you. And I think that ethic was really formative for me. Like there was always this, there was never a question on like, quote unquote, like doing the right thing um, by people on the planet. That was, that was like a given for me from a really young age. So you know, fast forward to starting your own life, (laughs) being your own person. Um, For me, that really was the like university college experience. And so I was researching food insecurity and climate change and um, global development um, issues and realized that the environment, social issues and economic health were all like fundamentally linked. Uh, and it took me a while to realize like that's called sustainability. Like, I was right. doing it without realizing like there's actually a field for this because it was kind of emergent still. But once I realized it, couldn't go back, ended up, you know, getting a degree in sustainability and, and knew that that's what I, you know, quote unquote, like wanted to do from that point on. And this was back in 2012. But You know, back then, especially this being a newer thing, it wasn't a part of the cultural zeitgeist in any way to to be talking Mm -hmm. about sustainability, let alone be trying to solve the problem. What was that like during that time? How did you navigate something where I'm sure it was pretty challenging to to explain to people what you were doing? But granted, your parents probably loved what you were studying in college, unlike most of us. (laughs) I always I actually had this like moment. I I don't know if you can relate. Um, but I think a lot of like creatives have similar experiences where like I always judge to your point, like the zeitgeist or like the 
the mainstreamness of what you're doing based on like what your grandpa has to say about it, <laughs> you know? And so yeah, <gasps> when I first started my program, like my grandparents were always like, what are you doing again? Like, right. what is that? How are you going to get it? Like, how are you going to get a job? Um, say it again. Like, what do you mean you're doing this thing? Like, isn't it just like environmental science or like they, they just couldn't really like grasp the, the what. And, and ultimately I think there was a lot of uncertainty not just for my grandpa, but for myself and a lot of my colleagues on like what what that was going to look like in terms of career opportunities, because um, we were told even in the context of our d- degree program, like there's not going to be a job waiting for you at the end. You're going to have to go out and create it. Um, wow. So it was such like a interesting time and a little bit risky but it really instilled this idea of like entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Not just in like the traditional business sense, but in like go out and make an impact. Like, you know, the problems now you're learning about the solutions that whether again, the the fortune 500 companies know it yet or not, like they will be asking for this in a decade, which is so interesting now, a decade later. I was going to say, you must feel really vindicated, really (laughs) vindicated. (laughs) Super vindicated. (laughs) And, and it was like, this is the right thing to do. Like we need, we need to build a, a, a leadership in this type of, this type of work. And in some ways it's like, yeah, just take the, take the leap and um, go out and try to find yourself and make the job when, when you're done. What got you interested even in saying, okay, let me take this skill set and see what I can do with the fashion industry. I honestly thought that I was going to study food and agriculture. And where I realized fashion was so similar in terms of the issues, you know, maybe instead of growing a grain, you're growing a fiber to make wow, yeah. a textile, but a lot of the issues were, were, were similar and no one was doing anything about it and no one was really talking about it and was tracking what Yala Flalo, the founder of Reformation was doing. And so when the opportunity came, they were hiring like totally started cold calling. <laughs> getting involved. That's the like, way to do it. I have no background in this, right? but I, I, I can learn. I'm like professional researcher and like, I love your approach already for saying like, let's turn this thing on its head. Let's challenge the status quo. Let's do things differently. Um, and I'd love to help you build out what that looks like. She brought me on board and um, I've been with the brand for eight years and really right when we were launching e-com and, and building out a lot of our sustainability strategy. So what does sustainability mean at RAF? Like still kind of a big open question. And it's been such an incredible environment to work environment um, and team to navigate that and, and really try to figure out what does it mean to set a new standard. We'll be right back after a quick break. Since it is now officially fall, I am in full season cleaning mode. I just decluttered my entire house. I purged my closet. I went crazy on organizational hacks. But let's not forget that our hair also needs a little bit of a refresh as well, which is why I've started adding the clarifying detox shampoo from Way into my routine. I use it once a week to neutralize product buildup, oil, dirt, and hard water from my hair and scalp without stripping away any moisture. It's made with a combination of apple cider vinegar and keratin to exfoliate and balance my scalp, plus smooths frizz and creates a lustrous shine. Plus, it's great for all hair types, even hair treated with keratin, chemicals, color, or Brazilian blowout. 
And don't worry, Way uses their signature fragrance that completely hides the smell of apple cider vinegar. Right now, my hair routine is all about getting it to grow. So that means washing it as little as possible and using a ton of dry shampoo and product. I've been able to get it down to washing my hair twice a week and using the detox shampoo once has allowed my hair to get that good clean it needs without doing any damage. I've been using Way for years and my hair shows it. The proof is in the pudding. It's the longest, thickest, and healthiest it's ever been. And now you can explore their full collection of cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products with my code. When you're ready to undo the damage, hit the reset button with Waze Detox Shampoo. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use the code FRIEND to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com using code FRIEND. This podcast is brought to you by Waterdrop.com, the new go-to hydration brand. Since today's episode is all about sustainability, I wanted to share with you guys something we can all implement into our daily lives to make our planet a little bit more plastic-free. As we all know, drinking enough water is super important. It helps our bodies function properly and keeps our minds sharp. Not drinking enough can lead to a number of annoying symptoms, loss of concentration, dizziness, and so much more. And our busy lives make it difficult to drink the suggested amount of water. Believe me, I get it. And I also find it hard to actually get my recommended daily intake of vitamins. So meet my solution. Water drop. Just drop one of their micro drink cubes in your bottle, wait a few seconds, and bam, you have a delicious drink that keeps you hydrated and gives you vitamins. Their micro drink flavor boost, for example, doesn't just add a delicious taste to your water. It also adds vitamin B6, B12, and C. One cube of boost can give you 40% of your recommended daily B12 intake. Now here's where the sustainability part comes in. Water drop is a plastic positive company. To reduce single-use plastic bottles, they offer some gorgeous glass and steel bottles in so many beautiful designs. Steel bottles are a great solution for the summer. They keep your drinks ice cold for up for 24 hours. They're also a proud partner of Plastic Bank. For every pack of water drops sold, one plastic bottle is collected from the environment. You should head over to their website, www.waterdrop.com, and use our exclusive Friend of a Friend promo for 15% off on their products. That's Friend of a Friend, one word, until the end of October. Try water drop and enjoy the benefits of drinking more water. Now let's get back to the show. Something I love about Ref is that you guys call yourself sustainable fast fashion. I'm sure a lot of people are like, how is that really possible? Mm-hmm. How do you think you guys can be both? Yeah, it's it's so interesting because this is also something that I think like perception of fast fashion has changed so much, even in just the last 10 years of the brand. Um, I think as you see it in headlines today, you know, typical fast fashion churns out mass quantities of really low quality, almost disposable clothing um, and leaves excess inventory to, to waste, basically. Like some of the brands that have gotten totally called out for incinerating product, for instance. What we're doing is really taking the benefits of some of the supply chain model but combining, you know, stylish, vintage-inspired designs with sustainable practices. So while we don't necessarily describe ourselves as fast fashion, we do work fast. Um, so we can take a sketch or a design concept and create a dress, create that, that pair of jeans in as little as 45 days. So we're designing and making what customers want to wear now we also produced in really limited quantities. So that helps us avoid that excess inventory 
basically our stock almost always sells out. Um, and it lets us be responsive yes, to know. what our customers actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It lets our customer like tell us what she wants more of and, and we can, we can respond that way. And, you know, how can you use those tools um, to work smarter um, as a brand? And um, I think in, the, in many cases, it's like a win-win, right? It's better for business and it's also better for impact. Yeah, that's amazing. I love, I loved hearing you just say that you take the structure of fast fashion in the sense that you're able to produce so quickly and you're taking the good parts of it instead of using what obviously we know is a, a huge issue in fashion right now. Absolutely. You guys use something called the ref scale, which I love. I'm always like curious about it. And every time I buy something, I love just kind of knowing what characteristics you guys find important when it comes to producing clothing. So for listeners who don't know what the ref scale is, can you walk us through what it is? Yeah, of course. This actually was the, one of my first projects at Raf, um, and it came from um, our design team and our, and, and our founder saying, you keep telling us one thing is better than the other. You keep saying that, or, or rather, in some cases, you won't tell us what's better, right? Like, we want to know, like, can we use organic cotton? And I'll be like, well, it's better than this, but still uses a lot of water, and there's these implications, and then, you know, and again, this, this challenge of making the complex simple and, and having it inform like a really concrete action for, again, our designers or for our customer. So we went out, again, got to apply some of the things I learned in, in my program um, and actually created a life cycle tool, like a simplified life cycle tool that calculates in pounds of carbon dioxide, gallons of water and pounds of material waste um, the impacts of everything that we make. And so um, we share that information on the product page. Um, we use that in the back end um, to inform our carbon footprinting and, and kind of our, our progress towards our, our goals in sourcing. And it's been now like kind of like an evergreen thing. You'll, you can still see it um, on every product page for everything that we make. Listeners, if you're currently studying something very random in college, don't worry. It will probably come in handy somewhere very important down the line, like the ref scale. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing other brands start to use similar tools, which is really exciting. Um, I've helped, you know, answer lots of questions from other brands that wanted to set something up over the years um, like it. I think one just like quick note on that in general is like we did it. We, we're, I think it's safe to say we were one of the first to do um, like disclosures like that on the environmental footprint of our staff. Um, and we did it knowing that it was not going to be perfect. Right. Um, and we, we shared our sources really openly. We talked about all the assumptions. It was like very like genuine, honest, like here's where we're at. This is how we plan to use it. Go wild. And I think talking to other brands who maybe had a similar like value and wish they could do something like that didn't because they were so worried they'd get destroyed if it wasn't perfect. perfect. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really loved about working with the ref team is this commitment to say like, we don't have to like worry about being perfect. And we also don't want to like let that slow us down if we think that this is important and will drive positive change our customer or for the industry. And so I'm like, one of our values is like being brave. Like, I think this is a case where like, we were willing to be brave and just like, go for it. Um, and we've only received positive feedback 
um, about it. And it's only gotten better over the years and as we've gotten more sophisticated in our reportings. Something that I've thought a lot about, especially after last year and witnessing how COVID disrupted so many businesses, is I think that my definition of sustainability really widened. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. about what is your, you know, sustainable, what are your sustainable practices for products that you're building? For me, it really became how do you sustain your business? I would love to hear from your perspective how you feel that REF plays a role in that in taking care of the people within their business. You know, you, it's so interesting the way that you framed it of like really expanding your definition of sustainability. You know, I think I took some of that for granted. I think I, I think we all did. I think, I think a lot of people, I assumed that most people understood sustainability was again at the intersection of a lot of these things. And it wasn't just um, pure environmentalism. It was always trying to promote and protect communities around the world, public health and livelihoods, frankly, right? One of the things that I've always found really compelling about like a broad definition of sustainability is it's about like all species, all generations, right? And that includes us. (laughs) And I probably within weeks of the first stay-at-home order and realizing the the potential business impacts of of COVID-19 on RAF, our leadership team was calling me and saying like, talk to me about this again. What, how, how can we be a really like people focused organization? And have we been too narrow? For instance, like ref scale, right? Those are all environmental indicators. I was like, actually, we've, we've been doing social responsibility work better than anything else. Like that's what we have done like the most of within our supply chain and um, within our own factory here in Los Angeles but we weren't that loud about it and we weren't as explicit about making those connections. So I think the same lessons maybe you learned last year, we were also processing as a brand um, and really wanting to make sure that that was very consistent, um, again, in the work, in the practice, but also in how we talked about these issues um, externally. So one of our, our brand values is being people first and going beyond just, again, ensuring safe, healthy work environments, but how can we actually promote things like a living wage and, you know, gender equality programs and, and everything else that that start to come to play when you, you start to work in, in kind of garment manufacturing environments around the world. I love to hear that. I also love to hear you say earlier that, you know, your perspective is sustainability through a global lens that, and that that's my belief as well, that sustainability isn't just about your practices, but it's how you are representing the world and taking care of everybody within it. Mm-hmm. Last year, I know during June of 2020, when we were definitely calling for more representation, REF definitely had some backlash in that sense. But it's been amazing to see in my mind, and I, I definitely give a lot of credit to you guys as a brand for the amount of work that you've put in in the past year. We had Christy, Christy Rutherford on the show two weeks mm-hmm. ago, three weeks ago. I, my brain is, I don't know time anymore. But she was on the show and she has 2BG Consulting. And I know she's been working with you guys on racial inclusion courses. So I'd love to hear a little bit through your lens what that has been like to include um, as the chief sustainability officer in the business and how you guys feel you've made progress in the past year. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great question. And again, we just talked about putting people people first uh, within our sustainability framework. We've also worked really 
um, closely with our, our people department, our HR functions, and our executive leadership to roll in DEI efforts into our sustainability framework, which is maybe a little bit um, unconventional, but we, we see that, like, again, you can't deliver on our mission and we can't deliver on our, our sustainability goals without also making progress in representation and equity initiatives, again, both within our teams, but also in, in how our brand is represented outside. So we've been working really hard on that in terms of just learning. Um, so you mentioned that some of the trainings we've been doing, we've been doing, we've rolled out training programs for all refs across all levels. Um, and I think had that facilitate some really good conversations. We've also been doing listing sessions for our, within our teams, um, our, our CEO and leadership team has been, um, I think, really phenomenal at putting that first and really prioritizing that this year. I, again, I'm really proud of, of the work that's going on, the approach to just learn um, and, and do and be better, and the commitment to say that we're going to do that work, that work even behind the scenes, if it's not something we're going to talk about as much to our customers, but that's what's going to really transform um, the brand and, and let us truly deliver on being a people focused org. We'll be right back after a quick break. Let's talk health supplements. There's a problem that I have with them. It's that I'm not necessarily convinced that the mass majority actually do anything to improve my health. The rare herb that promises to cure everything most likely can't. I know which foods are good for me, but the problem is that my schedule generally doesn't allow me to eat enough of them every day. This is why I love memories, whole food powders. It allows me to fill the gaps in my diet with highly absorbable whole foods. And there's not a single ingredient on their label that I don't recognize, which is absolutely rare. But let's get to the benefits. Memory is all about improving brain health, which I really feel like we don't talk about enough. And because eating for brain health is eating for your gut, muscles, bones, and heart, I literally use their powders for everything. It's my daily greens mix, ultra clean, plant-based protein powder, fiber-heavy gut solution, and most importantly, my daily cognitive support. One serving of memory gives me 10 grams of plant-based protein over a serving of leafy green veggies, six grams of fiber, prebiotics, and absolutely zero sugars added or sweeteners. It's also a great source of antioxidants, which comes from its first ingredient, blueberries, vitamin A and K, magnesium, and plant-based omega-3s. They make it so easy for me to incorporate this into my daily routine. All three delicious flavors can be quickly mixed into an eight-ounce glass of water, blended into a smoothie, or even incorporated into your favorite recipes. My favorite flavor is the base right now, but Memory is giving you guys 30% off at checkout when you head to yourmemory.com backslash friend. So I really recommend taking full advantage and trying them all. That's Y-O-U-R-M-E-M-O-R-E.com forward slash friend for 30% off at checkout. Is there something that's preventing you from achieving a life goal? It could be anything from something you haven't processed to a mental roadblock or even to a habit you're just unaware of. This year, I really challenged myself to understand all those things about myself. And with the help of BetterHelp, I feel like I'm really beginning to understand myself more than I ever have. BetterHelp is a digital platform that assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. Intrigued? Well, you can actually start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours from right now. So if you're thinking about that thing that might be blocking you in life, you can get to it in literally just two days. BetterHelp is really committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it so easy and free to change your counselor at any time. Send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions. It's really the most convenient way to get therapy. 
You'll connect in a safe and private online environment. I'm telling you, it's the most convenient. And it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help either, but it's professional counseling done securely online, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or have an awkward run-in with someone you might know. It's confidential and they cover a range of topics, depression, relationships, trauma, LGBTQ matters, self-esteem, family conflicts, and so much more. The best part, it's way more affordable than traditional offline therapy. And since it's digital, they can service you worldwide. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you guys to start living a happier life. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com friend. You'll be joining over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health too. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. Something that is still ringing really loudly in my head that you've said is progress, not perfection. And I think that everything we just talked about is a really good example of that. And I do think that there are a lot of people that are afraid to make progress because of the fact that it won't be perfect. So I appreciate the strides being made for the sake of progress too. Yeah. 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 You guys recently announced that by 2025, you will be climate positive. For listeners who might not know what that means and what that goal would mean for you guys, do you think you can outline the whole plan? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've actually been carbon neutral um, since 2015. So to break it down a little bit, we measure our carbon footprint. They call it a greenhouse gas inventory, if you really want the technical term. You measure your, your carbon footprint basically for, for us. We do it for you know every product we make, but also you know our, our business operations. Um, so having the lights on in the stores to you know running the shuttle van. Um, so you measure, we've measured our carbon footprint and then we've purchased offsets um, of the same amount. So um, we've done that since um, 2015. We are now also partnering with a group called Climate Neutral to actually certify that process and kind of verify that process, which Amazing. is sort of like an extra step. Um, and they're a really great um, newer organization that's doing that for companies. And we're big, we're big fans. And what we're committing to through a climate positive goal is really just to take the next step further. So we're, we're committing to those science-based reductions. Um, we've mapped out what it'll take within our sourcing and with our transportation mix and, and a few other really like key levers within our business to actually hit those reduction targets. And then we're committing to offsetting and doing actual removal projects for the balance of our, our carbon footprint. So, you know, there's lots of different offsets. Um, we've always purchased certified and, and, and really legit ones, but we're, we're shifting our focus to um, projects that actually pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere instead of just necessarily like, you know, reduce emissions from something. The easiest example of that would be like a forestry project, right? Like if you, you plant or maintain a forest, they're actually pulling more carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So we're super excited about this initiative and this, this real focus on climate action this is definitely an ambitious goal. Um, we're starting to see more brands um, join us in terms of thinking about going beyond neutrality, which I think is, again, if you think about like the state of the world, we need more of that. We need to all move faster and, and to take this seriously. And then in terms of a timeline, you know, 2025 is just around the corner. Um, and we're, we're really committing to, to doing this and putting 
tremendous focus on those reduction efforts because we can't wait, you know? I don't know if you've been dealing with more climate anxiety because of the headlines, even just these last few weeks, but, you know, like the next decade is really a pivotal point for us as a global community. And um, while I respect that these things are hard and they're going to take resources and, and systemic change, talking about doing some of these things by 2050, just like, frankly, like just kind of like boils my blood a little bit. We were like, just doesn't we work. can't wait. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like that's not, that's like, I, it, it kind of makes me question whether they like they truly understand the, the, the problem that, that we're facing. So as a brand, you know, we've always put climate change as kind of front and center. Um, not also just because we think of it as an environmental issue, but because it's deeply connected to a lot of um, social issues. And we are really proud again of, of kind of the, the commitment and that we talked earlier about being brave, like being brave to say like, this is what we're going to go after. Um, even if we don't hit it, I'm actually very confident we will, but even if we don't hit it, we're doing then all the right things to, to get us closer to that goal. On that note, we're in the middle, when this episode comes out, we'll be in the middle of fashion month, which historically has been, especially recently, has been highly criticized for like how, how much is produced, how quickly the cycle goes and just how inefficient it is for one, the industry, but it's really negative impacts on our planet. I would love to hear if you had one piece of advice for any of these brands that are working in the cycle right now, what would it be? We do get we do get asked this um, question quite a bit, and we we do actually have other brands, um, especially in the fashion space, that reach out and ask for advice and, and resources. And um, we always like gladly take those calls because what I love also about sustainability is like pre-competitive. You know, like we want everybody to be doing this. Like we want to be breaking down the barriers. We want to help in some ways. Other brands also like leapfrog. If we've figured something out, we want to like share that so that they can skip a few steps and, and, and impact this change faster. So one of the tips that comes up the most is honestly just like, it sounds really basic, but it's figuring out like what sustainability strategy makes most sense for where you are today. So ask your stakeholders, right? Whether that's your team or your customers or your suppliers, what will drive the most impact and then go after that. Again, it sounds so basic, but some of the best career advice I was given is like, do that upfront, figure out where you can drive the most impact with the less lift and like the least resources. And like, of course you do those things first, right? Like the no brainer things. And thankfully in sustainability, there's usually a few of those no brainers, right? Where it's not necessarily going to cost more and it could just be better use of resources, more efficient or a, a straight swap of a material that that could actually drive carbon or or you know other social uh, indicators for you so i would say like sounds really basic figure out where where that like lever is for you and then go crazy i also think that you should ask for help so in the preface of this said that some brands reach out like reach out reach out to to, to me and rav get plugged into the community of brands that are doing this stuff and some of the industry groups that, that also have like just so much to share. Um, I think that's always like a really good place to start. I think that's a good one, especially because I think sustainability feels like this really overwhelming thing. And one, 
there are so many people like you that are paving the way that can provide advice. But two, I love the idea of just like finding what's the first thing that you can do. It doesn't have to be this whole thing where you cancel the collection or cancel this or whatever it is. It's like, what is the actual thing you can do in your everyday to make it better? Yeah. Quick plug. We actually just published in our last quarterly sustainability report, a guide to how to be a climate positive business. Wow. And it's really like not designed for our customer. I guarantee you our customers would just like, what? Blaze <laughs> over. It's literally for brands. These, yeah. uh, these brands to say like, this is every like detailed step we took. These are like the resources and the consultants and the tools that, that are like most practical. Like the idea is like, if you really wanted to do this, that this would give you what you could pay a consultant to do um, for you and, and like, you know, give you a few months back <laughs> in terms of time um, to, to get started faster. That was like, honestly, our, our vision for when we put it together. That's so, really helpful. And I will definitely find that link and put it in the description of this episode for people who are okay, curious. Good. Yeah, I definitely will. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so much fun to get to know more about the brand on the back end as such a huge fan. So I'm really, really grateful for your time. And I'm really excited to share this with our listeners because there's so much in here I just did not know. And I loved learning about it. Yeah, thanks, Olivia. It was so much fun to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.